Well, good morning. Be free. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at Be Free Community Church in Alton. We are a Christ-centered family that glorifies God by loving Him, loving others, and making disciples. That is who we are, what we do, and the three ways we do it. Really glad you could join us this morning. We're in the book of Acts today for the second week. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. That's where we're going to be today. Because last week we were in the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and that really began to lay the foundation for us. The foundation of what this book is all about. What we saw is that Jesus gives his mission to his people to be carried out by the power of his spirit. I think that's a good way to summarize what we saw last week. Jesus gives his mission to his people to be carried out by the power of his spirit. Now, we're not going to see the spirit come until Acts chapter 2, so we're not there yet. Rather than seeing the the spread of the church and the growth of the church this week, rather what we're going to see is the last act in Jesus's earthly life. What we're looking at today is a story that I think most Christians know about, but it's not a story that we tend to think about very often. We're thinking about the story of Jesus's ascension, thinking about the story of how Jesus rose back up into heaven. And the question I want to ask you here right at the beginning is this. Do you think the ascension is important? Do you think it's important or just a fun fact? Do you think that the story of Jesus' rising back up into the air is just nice to know? Or do you think there's something significant going on here? Is the ascension a dry and dusty doctrine or is it actually truly life-altering? In other words, I think I'm going to summarize it like this today. Should the ascension matter to us on Monday? Should the ascension matter to us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday as we go about our ordinary lives? Because I want to say it must be important. It must be important because the Apostles' Creed, this this statement of faith that every true believer of Jesus Christ has been able to proclaim for the last 2,000 years, includes the ascension. This is a statement that includes only the essentials of what a Christian must believe. And in that statement, it says the words, He ascended into heaven. But at the same time, be free. If you're like me, you probably agree that the ascension has become what some might call the forgotten work of Christ. We don't talk about it very much. Um, a, A scholar named Patrick Schreiner, he describes the ascension of Jesus Christ as a mere postscript a postscript to Jesus's resurrection. And to be honest, we treat it like that. If I were to tell you the entire story of the Bible, I would start in the Old Testament and tell you how it all leads forward to Jesus. And I'd tell you the life of Jesus. I'd tell you about his virgin birth. I would tell you about his perfect life, his earthly ministry, his death, his resurrection. And then I'd probably start telling you about the church, about how the spirit came in Acts chapter two. But I would have skipped the ascension. In my mind, the ascension doesn't automatically present itself as an essential step in Jesus' ministry, but I think I'm making a huge mistake when I say that. And I wonder if you are too. So what we're going to do today, Be Free, as we look at this passage, is we are going to work to revalidate this necessary and beautiful story of Jesus' ascension back into heaven. We're going to work together today to rescue the story of Jesus' ascension from obscurity. 
And I think that as we go forward, we will not only see that it is true, but also that it is important. And very practically, we're going to see that the ascension does indeed matter on Monday, giving us hope, giving us peace, changing the way that we face the brokenness that we see around us in the world, and changing the way we respond to the brokenness that we see inside of us. So that's where we're going today. So I'm going to read this passage, but I'm actually going to start all the way back in verse 6, so we get the context, and then continue on to the end of verse 11. So join me in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And when we're done, I'll pray. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this is our passage today. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Be free, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We believe what your word says about itself. We believe that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. What that means is that it is able to change us, even to our hearts. That is able to cut out sin in our life, that is able to reshape us. And so because of that, Lord, we, we want to know what it says. We want to work to understand its message, not just so that we can know it, but so that we can live it. Not just so that we can know it and live it, but so that we can worship you with what we find here. So God, I pray that that would be the result of this morning. That we would live differently. That we would think differently. And that we would walk with you differently. So shape us today, Lord, through this passage. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we saw last week that for 40 days, Jesus was teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And so it's really at this point that the disciples ask him just the logical question. They ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus' response is shocking. What he says to them is, no, you will. You're the one who's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And with that shocking statement, he does something even more shocking. He leaves. But this is actually something that the disciples had been told was going to happen. He, he told them many times throughout his ministry that he was going to be leaving, that he was going to be going back to his father. For, for example, John chapter 20, verse 17. He says, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God and your God. John 7, 33. Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. John 16, 28. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. 
That seems pretty clear to me. And it's something that he says, not just in these three verses, but over and over and over again. So here we see it happen. Acts 1.9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Here in this passage, the last thing we visibly see Jesus do on earth is float away. If this is a new story to you, if you've never heard this story before, you might be wondering if you heard me right. Jesus floats away like a balloon. And for those of us who do know the story, who have heard it many times before, we might be wondering, why have we never been struck by how odd this is? That the last thing Jesus does is float away like a balloon into the air. You know, I, um, I remember being in my front yard when I was a kid, and I forget the exact story or what happened, but I remember sit, standing there in my front yard and looking up as a balloon uh, was floating in the sky. And I stood there and I watched and I watched. And after a bit of time, that balloon was so small that I couldn't really be sure if I was seeing it or not. And then a little bit later, it was just gone into the blue. <laughs> and that's basically what we see here. Jesus floats away. And he is going, going going until he disappears. It says here, into a cloud. A cloud took him out of their sight. Now there's something that we need to understand about the Bible. In the Bible, the writers of the scriptures, they don't write like novelists. Uh, novelists, if, this, if they're going to write a story, they go into extreme detail to paint for you a picture of what was happening, uh, the scene, the feel, the characters. They can take chapters just describing what's happening in a room before they even start the story, but that's not how the narratives in the Bible work. The Bible authors who are writing these stories, they are very picky about the details they put in the stories. And so when we read a story in the Bible and we hear a detail about a character, we need to take notice. It's there for a reason. Just think back over the Bible passages that you know. You don't know all that much about how these people looked, about what their surroundings were like. You only get the information you know, and so, or you need to know. And so here in this passage, Luke gives us a very specific detail. That when Jesus is ascending into heaven, a cloud takes him. A cloud took him out of their sight. Luke includes that detail for a reason. The reason is because when we look through the Bible, the cloud is a powerfully symbolic picture. Just think back to Exodus chapter 13. What we see there is that when God led the people of Israel in the wilderness, he led them as a pillar of cloud. And then at the end of Exodus, after they built the tabernacle, Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, we read that the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then when Solomon built his temple, we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And now we think back to Luke chapter 9 at the transfiguration when Jesus' glory shone out of him. What we read in that passage is that a cloud came and overshadowed them on the top of that mountain. The cloud is a powerfully symbolic picture in scripture of the glory and the presence of God. And so what Luke is trying to communicate to us by just including that small detail is that where Jesus went was into the presence of God. He went 
to his father's house, just like he said he was going to. But it doesn't just tell us where Jesus went, it also hints at who Jesus is. We know that because of what we see in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Let me just read these verses to you. Daniel writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. When we see Jesus up in the clouds, it's supposed to be a hint to us, a reminder to us, not only of where Jesus is going, but who Jesus is. We're supposed to hear echoes of Daniel chapter 7 when we see Jesus in the clouds, in this passage. Because we see him, the Son of Man, he calls himself that 25 times in the book of Luke alone, and we are reminded that he was the one who was given dominion and glory in a kingdom by God. That Jesus was the one who was ruling over a kingdom of all peoples and nations and languages. Or as Acts says in just a couple of verses before, from Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the, ends of the earth. Seeing Jesus in the clouds is supposed to be a reminder to us of who he is. The rightful king over the entire world. So that's a lot to see in just one verse. But I think that even at this point, we're starting to see maybe what the answer might be to why the ascension matters on Monday. What difference it makes to our everyday life. But we still haven't said it clearly. We haven't laid out really clear ways that the fact that Jesus ascended into heaven actually changes our day-to-day -day lives. So be free, that's what we're going to be doing now. We're going to move on, be free, to think about five reasons why Christ's ascension actually matters to us today. Five reasons why Jesus' physical, bodily ascension up into heaven should matter to us tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. And here it is. Number one, because Jesus ascended, he is now ruling over his kingdom. Because Jesus ascended, he is now ruling over his kingdom. So we know that Jesus entered back into the presence of God, or as John says, into his father's house. And he went because his saving work was complete. Because everything he ever needed to do to save everyone who ever believed was finished. But when he went, he didn't go into retirement. When he went to his father's house, he didn't go home to rest. He didn't go back to his old bedroom to crash at his parents' house. Rather, he went home for a reason. He went home to take the throne. He went home to take the throne in the kingdom of heaven. Let me just give you a couple passages here. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, that Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, 
Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The point we need to see, be free, is this. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he didn't go up to retire, but to rule. He didn't go into heaven to take a nap, but to take the throne. His ascension is his coronation. His ascension is his enthronement. With his saving work complete, he now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in heaven, actively ruling and reigning over his kingdom with all things under his feet. That's what we read. With angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him, to his rule, to his total control. Be free. That matters on Monday. And if I can be frank, be free, that mattered to me on Wednesday. I'm sure it did for you as well. That mattered to me when I saw the Capitol building of our country being overrun. That mattered to me when rioters broke the windows and the doors of the Capitol to force their way in. It mattered to me when those ruling our country were forced to return to their offices. This tragedy was a visible reminder to me that my hope cannot be put in the House or in the Senate, but only in the throne room of heaven, a throne room that will never be overrun. It's a reminder to me that no man, no woman, no mob could, never, could ever send our king from his house. What we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it tells us that the kingdom of heaven cannot be shaken and be free. I needed to be reminded of that of Wednesday, and I'm sure you did as well. I needed the reminder on Wednesday where true power lies. That true power does not lie in the hands of men, but in the hands of one man. One man who is eternal and who is sitting in the throne of power in heaven forever. Be free. That's where we need to find our hope. That's where we need to find our hope. And so, Christian, if you are finding your hope in any one man other than Jesus Christ, you need to check your heart and repent. Our hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness and His eternal reign over the universe. And so that's the first reason Christ's ascension matters today. Number one, because He is now ruling over His kingdom. Now number two, because Jesus ascended, He is interceding for us. Because Jesus ascended, he is interceding. That means he's praying for us. Jesus died and, and rose again, finishing his saving work. And by faith, we are forgiven, we are alive, we are adopted. But the reality is, and you know this if you're a Christian, we continue to sin. We continue to struggle. 
And so this is what scripture tells us. Let me read you uh, from Romans chapter 8, verse 34. This is what we read. That Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. All of these things we've seen. Who indeed is interceding for us. Romans 7.25 Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for us. Interceding, intercession, that just means praying for us. And so when you think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, um, I want you to imagine that they're up there watching us. And they're watching us and they imagine that they see you sinning. They see you doing something that breaks the Father's heart. But I want you to imagine that when that happens, Jesus leans over to his Father next to him and says to the Father, I paid for that. Ooh, ooh, I paid for that too. And that when that happens, it's not that Jesus is merciful and the Father is wrathful. But rather, when Jesus says to his Father, hey, I paid for that, the Father responds by saying, good. Our plan worked. Our beloved is forgiven. Jesus, sitting on his throne at the right hand of God in heaven, is praying for us right now. And because Jesus ascended to the throne room of God, he is actively presenting us before the Father, praying on our behalf to apply to us the forgiveness that he earned for us. He's praying on our behalf for our perseverance in temptation, for our perseverance in trial, to our perseverance in suffering. Jesus is in heaven today, blanketing your every sin and your every shortcoming with prayer. That matters on Monday. This is what uh, the pastor, Robert Murray McShane, he's a Scottish pastor in 1840, writes about this intercession of Christ, this prayer of Jesus. He says, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And so next time somebody you love, maybe a brother in Christ, somebody from church, tells you that they've been praying for you, and you feel the comfort and the encouragement of those words, I want you to remember that that friend, that brother or sister in Christ, isn't the only one praying for you. Jesus is too. And he will never stop. When they tell you that they've been praying for you, I want you to imagine that you can hear a voice from heaven whispering, so am I. So why does Jesus Christ's ascension matter for us today? Number one is because he's ruling over his kingdom. Number two is because he is praying for us right now at the Father's side. And now number three. Because he ascended, he is preparing to welcome us home. Because he ascended, he's preparing to welcome us home. Let me read you John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. This is what he says. Jesus says, My Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, 
would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Our living Lord Jesus Christ, he is reigning, number one. He is praying, number two. And now, number three, he is waiting. And he is preparing for you. And he is doing so eagerly. John chapter 17, 24 shows us this when he says to the Father, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. He longs for us. He's, he's eagerly anticipating the day when we come home to be with him. He cannot wait. And so be free when we die. If we have trusted in Christ, if we have given our allegiance to him by faith, we will follow the way that he blazed for us. Hebrews 6 tells us that Jesus is a forerunner on our behalf, blazing the way into the presence of God. That he has gone and he has saved a seat for us. That he is there in heaven waiting for us. And he will usher us into the place where we would have no place belonging if he didn't bring us with him. Be free. We only have access into the throne room of God because we, by faith, are in Jesus Christ. And this is the thing that might be the most beautiful or maybe just the most shocking to me about this idea of Jesus waiting for us in heaven. But when we enter into the kingdom of heaven and we see Jesus, he's not going to be some misty, ethereal spirit. Jesus, right now, he is in heaven waiting for you in his flesh and blood body. He has a body of flesh and blood, and it is the same resurrected body that he had when he met the apostles. The same resurrected body that bears the nail wounds in his hands. The same resurrected body that has a hole in its side and holes in his feet. Be free. The day that we enter into heaven. Jesus will be eagerly standing, waiting for us, with arms stretched wide, and we will look and see in his hands holes that he bore for us. This is something that Garrett Dawson, uh, author and, and pastor, says about the day that we meet Jesus in heaven. He says, when we die, a human hand will grasp us. As we make our way into heaven, securing our relationship with the Father. When we enter into heaven, be free. We, the bride, will be physically embraced by the bridegroom who still bears the marks of the cross that he bore for us. And just thinking about this, it, COVID has been such a reminder to us of the power of human touch. We will one day be touched by the bridegroom. That matters on Monday. So why does Christ's physical ascension matter for us today? Number one, because he is now ruling over his kingdom. Number two, because he is now praying for you, interceding for you at the Father's side. Number three, because he is now preparing to welcome us home. And now number four, because Jesus ascended, he is sending the Spirit. 
Because Jesus ascended, he is sending the Spirit. This comes from John chapter 16, verse 7. Let me read this to you. Now, Jesus says to his disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I find it really easy to believe the opposite, actually. I'm more prone to believe that I would be better off if I had a living and breathing Jesus Christ right next to me that I could see and touch and talk to. But Jesus is telling us exactly the opposite, that it is in the disciples and our own best interest that he leave and that the Spirit come in his place, that he go into heaven so that he can send the Spirit to us. And for us to really have a full understanding of how exactly that can be true, why it would be better for us to have the Spirit with us, really we have to have a working understanding of all the benefits that are ours because we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have time today to go through that entire list, but here's a taste. Because we have the Holy Spirit, He is able to work new birth in us, to give us new life by faith. The Holy Spirit who is in us, He helps us continually look more and more and more like Jesus. That's a process called sanctification, where we look more like Christ in our actions, where we look more like Him in our desires in our thoughts. We start doing what he does, wanting what he wants, thinking more and more the way he thinks. The Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit leads us into continued repentance for our sins. The Spirit empowers us for mission. The Spirit illuminates our eyes and our minds to understand scriptures. We could go on and on. But today, the thing that we need to understand and what we need to see is that if Jesus never went, the Spirit would have never been sent. That's what we need to see. If Jesus never went, the Spirit would have never been sent and be free. If He never came, we would all be left unchanged. Wherever you see the Spirit working today, whether that's convicting you, convicting a friend, changing your life, empowering your mission, illuminating your eyes, you are seeing evidence that Jesus has ascended and continuing to work through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That matters today. And so why does it matter that Jesus rose, ascended bodily into heaven? Number one, because he is now ruling over his kingdom. Number two, because he is now praying for you at the Father's side. Number three, because he is now preparing to welcome us home. Number four, because he is now sending the Spirit. And now, finally, number five. Because Jesus ascended, he is now preparing to return. He is now preparing to return. Join me back in Acts chapter 1, our original passage, starting in verse 10. <clears throat> and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. So there they are watching as Jesus ascends and they are absolutely awestruck. And, and of course they are. 
They have just seen something that is amazing and miraculous, something that they have never seen before, something they will never see again. And you can imagine that you would do this as well, uh, that they were watching him disappear and they would want to see the very last glimpse. It's almost like if you drop somebody off at a plane station, you want to see them until they turn that corner to their gate. You want to have their eyes on them as long as you possibly can. And so here the disciples are staring into heaven in awe. Luke tells us in his gospel that they are worshiping, just pouring out praise to God that he's doing what they just saw him do. When all of a sudden two men stood by them in white robes, two men who probably angels. And they say, hey guys, what are you doing? Hey guys, what are you looking at? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Jesus ascended bodily, flesh and blood into heaven, and he's going to return in the exact same way. He's going to come again bodily. He's going to come again with flesh and blood. And when he comes, he will bring the fullness of the kingdom. He will bring it to its completion. He will consummate the kingdom. He will conclude his work when he brings his kingdom. And all that day, on that day, he will make all things new. He will make everything that is broken fixed. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And he will take the throne in the new heavens and the new earth. Be free. We can live today confident that the way things are right now is not the way things will forever be. Because he is coming again. There will be no more tears. There will be no more division. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more riots. There will be no more fights. There will be no more pain. There will be no more fear. On that day, all that will be fixed. What a hope. That matters on Monday. And so as we come to the end, be free today. I just want to ask the question I asked at the beginning one more time. Does all this matter? Does it matter that Jesus rose bodily into the sky to go be with his Father? And I want to argue, yes, absolutely, 100%. It matters. It is important. And it will matter Monday. It will matter as you go about your life every single day until that day that you are received into his kingdom or he comes again in glory. Because he is our king on the throne who is ruling. He is our priest before the Lord who is praying. He is our bridegroom in heaven who is waiting. The spirit he is sending. And one day he will be coming. This matters on Monday. Will you pray with me be free? Father, we just thank you for this glimpse into the beauty of what you have done. Father, it's because you have died for our sins, rose again victorious over sin and death, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, that we have hope. Father, we have hope 
in you for what you have done. So, Father, we worship you today. If we have received that hope, if we put our trust in you, if you have earned, if you have received our, our allegiance, Father, by faith, God, you are our king. And all of this, all of this hope and all of these promises are ours. But Father, I pray that today, if there are people watching this video, hearing this message, who, who haven't trusted in you, or perhaps are just hearing this afresh for the first time, realizing that this is not the kind of hope they have, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they come and trust in you, surrender to you, make you their King and their Savior and their Lord. Father, be near to us and be the giver of heart hope today, giver of strength today, as you not only sit on your throne, but pray for us and send your spirit and wait for us and prepare to come again. We love you and we praise you, Lord. Amen.